Welcome to another episode of the Underground Bunker Podcast. Yes, I have Mark Ebner back because, I mean, it's Mark Ebner. I had to have you back, dude. How are you? Good. It's really cozy in here, <laughs> in the bunker or the <laughs> closet or whatever, wherever we're broadcasting from. I think you get the reference there. I'm doing all right. Well, now we're doing Tony all the coast news to I, coast, coast to coast. I'm in New York. You're in L.A. And of course, all the news I hear come from L.A. is about these strikes. Uh, what's are you are you affected by any of that going on right now? All the, 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 the writers are striking. The actors are striking. Well, I'm affected in that I see a lot of my friends and colleagues out of work, uh, but doing the right thing uh, for sure. Uh, I, I'm happy that the the actors, uh, headed up by Fran Jesh, uh, what's her name? Fran Drescher, uh, you know, as the head of Screen Actors Guild, came out with a really impassionate, uh, passionate uh, plea for uh, solidarity there. And I think it's going to be the talent that uh, forces uh, the producers into a fair contract. For everyone. I mean, uh, you know, it's one thing to have so many tens of thousands of writers, but when you get up in the hundreds of thousands of actors, uh, that's really putting the producers to the fire. So uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I have to say it's a, it's a boon for my work. I mean, uh, dealing in, uh, you know, working in the, uh, nonfiction documentary space. Uh, it's, you know, I'm fielding calls on a daily basis, whether or not, you know, they'll materialize into anything. That's a whole other story. Uh, but needless to say, I'm bu busy as a result for sure, well, because they got to program these streamers somehow. Right. Right. Well, maybe yeah. that will help the documentary side. Speaking of which I've been hearing from a couple of my friends, they really enjoyed your work in the documentary last time we talked we were talking about your book that uh the uh the uh the pool boy off the deep end yeah right yeah. and uh i think your book came out just before the documentary and so now some people have gotten to see the documentary and i've been hearing some good things about you in there uh that well you know that was uh as directed by my pal billy corbin who put me in touch with Giancarlo Granda, the quote-unquote pool boy in the first place, uh, you know, it couldn't have worked out better. And I was uh, certainly there for shooting my mouth off on, uh, God forbid, uh, the Hulu documentary, which, by the way, uh, is still uh, the most viewed documentary on Hulu in the history of that streamer. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it beat out Firefest. So that'll give you an idea of, uh, you know, what people are putting their eyes on. It's sort of like, yeah, everybody's going to watch uh, the heterosexual Tom Cruise in uh, his Mission Impossible, uh, you know, number nine point whatever. I don't even know how many of installments they've done of that franchise. Uh, but to be honest, I... Uh, I'd rather slide nude down a razor blade into a pool of alcohol than uh, give any time to that movie. And it's not just because the heterosexual Tom Cruise is a uh, Scientologist. It's just that uh, I, I don't want to sound like too much of a snob, but when I think of spy thrillers, uh, Tom Cruise doesn't even come to mind. You know, give me a North by Northwest or uh, uh, The Conversation. Oh, The or, Conversation. Oh. You know, we could go on and Ooh. list our favorite spy thrillers. Uh, but, you know, and I don't even claim to be a cineast, but it's certainly something I can sink my teeth into. I'm just not, uh, I wouldn't be amused uh, by watching Tom Cruise, the heterosexual Tom Cruise, do all his stunts, you know, big deal, you know, great. You know, he's he uh, will jump off a cliff. He'll do what speed sailing or whatever the stuntery that he claims to be doing. Uh, 
I'm sure it's all fantastic and enjoyable for people that, you know, especially people of the TikTok generation who have no uh, concern for, you know, actual story and dialogue and that sort of thing. And it pains me to say that because, as I think you know, uh, uh, Cruz's writer and director is you know, an old pal of mine. And I, th and I believe at least an acquaintance of yours, Christopher McQuarrie. Who I don't, I don't, I don't know the guy. Tell me oh, about okay. this. I didn't know you knew him. Tell me about that. Oh yes. Um, I, I was in his wedding, you know, I, I mean, he's, he, uh, during the nineties, 94, 95, uh, I met him in an AOL chat room called, uh, Hollywood interrupted. And I get a, uh, uh, no, not Hollywood Interrupted. That's the, the name of your book. Yeah, The Hollywood Cafe. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It's okay. Friday. You know, <laughs> it's happy hour. I'm not... Yeah, it was called The Hollywood Cafe. And this entity sent me an AOL instant message saying, hey, I hear you're a rat for the once great magazine spy. And I go, yeah, what about it? And he goes, prove it. So I opened up the latest issue of Spy. We still, you know, we're, we're killing trees for our journalism back then, right? And I opened it up and I showed him the photo of me uh, in the contributor section. And uh, we made an arrangement to meet at a movie theater. We went to see, I think it was in Century City. We went to see the Brothers McMullen. And uh, I, I'm standing in line. And I feel a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and there's this big Irish galoot, this kid, no more than 24 years old standing there. And I say, Hey man, nice to meet you, you know? And, um, you know, the, it hadn't fully sunk in that this guy was the soon to be Academy award winner, uh, for the movie, the usual suspects, best original screenplay. And that kid was go going to be, uh, the youngest ever to receive that award at 25 years old. Wow. Uh, needless to say, we became instant friends and uh, we had a good run in that friendship until, and here's where I made a mistake. Years later, he's since married, moved to Washington state uh, uh, with his wife, Heather. And I, Hollywood Interrupted came out. And I remember walking to his house uh, down by Lake Washington, beautiful spread. And I went in and I was, you know, I, I'm obviously physically in the Pacific Northwest myself at the time. And he's got his head in his hands and he's reading, you know, about the heterosexual Tom Cruise repeated over and over and over over again and unbeknownst to me he was just then starting to form a relationship with Cruz and um so we kind of kissed goodbye on that I wasn't quite sure what his relationship was with Cruz was but I had a stinking feeling that that was the reason why he just kind of was you know beside himself and wondering, you know, how he was maybe not even wondering, perhaps he didn't care when you're looking at a, you know, a franchise like Tom Cruise, uh, anybody will in Hollywood will tell you that. Yeah, sorry, you guys lost your friendship over Cruise, but uh, hey, that's business, except. Tony, that may be business, but that's not me. If you're my friend. You know, you're my friend and, you know, I, I'm not going to let business get in the way of a good friendship if I possibly can. That's just me. So um, my last communication with Chris McQuarrie and we'll jump off that is simply uh, uh, I I got him on the phone. I was back in L.A. and I said, uh, hey, uh, Chris, I said, you know, uh, I. I understand that, you know, this is kind of the big kiss off here, um, you know, and I and I have the feeling it's got to have to it has to have to 
do with your relationship with Tom Cruise? And he goes, oh, no, that's not it. And his voice drifted off. We hung up the phone and I knew it would be the last time I spoke to him. And I'll be honest with you, I miss him because he's a funny motherfucker. He's a just, uh, you know, I, uh, he's he's talented. And, you know, uh, that's the irony here. Ba you know, given that we're talking about a movie, which in all fairness, I haven't seen yet, Mish, this uh, and I'm I have no plans to see it. Uh, it's I, I honestly would expect greatness. And from all accounts, in terms of story, dialogue uh, and, uh, you know, just script writing in general, it took two screenwriters, uh, you know, to put together the action fest showcase of, uh, you know, a 60 plus year old Tom Cruise doing stunts. Uh, yeah. 61, 60 plus. Yeah. Well, let me let me give you two yeah. let me give you two points about Macquarie, and then I'll get your reaction to this. Sure. First, you know Luke Thompson. You know Luke. He yes. gave. I asked him. He gave me a review of the movie, which I published last week, and in it, he called Macquarie. He was talking about this remarkable relationship, and he called Macquarie a cruise whisperer extraordinaire, mm. and that that he's got this special, you know, relationship with him. And then the other data point is this. You know, I first found out about Cruz getting this double uh, floor condo, ninth and 10th floor on the top of this building that's in the flag land base in Clearwater, Florida, literally five minute walk from where David Miscavige is, right? That Cruz, this hmm. building, this building was being refurbished and by, by a Mexican Scientologist, wealthy Mexican Scientologist developer. And that Cruz was getting the top two floors for this special penthouse. He had a special car garage, an air bridge, super fancy stuff. Okay, I broke that news years and years ago. Well, Chris White uh, at, uh, oh gosh, I forget who he was writing for, the Baby Daily Mail. He did a really good piece where he looked at the other units in the building that he found that, for example, Cruz had also bought a unit for his mom. Unfortunately, she died before the business was, the building was finished. But also his sisters have condos in that building. And so does Chris McQuarrie. Joined at the hip, I guess. Uh, it's baffling to me because part of the reason why McQuarrie and I became friends in the first place was my infinite skepticism, uh, especially when it came, to, I mean, he knew that, you know, years before we met, uh, well, nah, not really, but he knew that, you know, I was, you know, right up there in terms of uh, the critical community of Scientology. Um, I, it makes you wonder, I mean, if he's actually going to have that much proximity, you know, day in, day out with Tom Cruise, Who's zooming who? Who's the whisperer here? It may well be Tom Cruise. And for all I know, Chris, against all my, you know, uh, thinking, you know, based on having known the guy as well as I did, uh, could it be that uh, McCory is indeed a Scientologist? That's a good question. I mean, he's apparently got a condo in the flag land base. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. You know, I, I it's it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's a good find. I wasn't aware of that, but it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, they're, uh, uh, you know, they it, it it's I guess they're creating such fortune, uh, you know, in their uh, cinema enterprise. That you know it'll you know who else are you gonna hang out with uh, to celebrate with you know I know Tom is uh, showing up at in Atlanta and Washington D.C. and all the cities where it's premiering and being that man of the people and the fans. But I it's always I'm always that guy who will do what I can whether it's via social media. Whenever this guy's got a movie coming out, it's incumbent upon me to remind people, your listeners already know the drill, but 
that that Tom Cruise is indeed the front guy for the criminal cult of Scientology. And, you know, every time, uh, you know, he comes out with a high profile project and nobody's putting his feet to the fire because you know how carefully organized Cruise's PR really is. You know, I mean, he's a master at evading questions about that. You go to a junket for Tom Cruise and I've, been at these junkets and got hauled out on my ass for bringing up the Scientology question. But, you know, he's, they got roadblocks every, everywhere you look and uh, he's not going to get sandbagged, uh, you know, about that. And um, so that's, you know, that's my position is, is, is that the more popular he is, the more unfortunate people are going to get lured into his cult. Now, you know, if you disavowed the cult, you know, and, and, you know, logic defies in the face of everything that I'm sure he knows about it. If he had disavowed the cult, then uh, I just wouldn't have a problem. Doesn't mean I'd want to go see his huge movie franchise, because as we said, I expect more from a spy f- thriller than just stunts and special effects. Um, you know, that's just a personal thing. But then on the other hand, you know, who knows? There is the side that you and I would probably agree on, and that would be Tom fucking Cruise does not know black from white. And he is so deeply indoctrinated that he probably thinks he could survive a mishap going off a cliff on a motorcycle, you know, or that he's a body dropper, meaning that, you know, he has uh, no uh, regard for human life, uh, you know, in his own carcass. Does that make sense? No, in I know, words, but that that makes me wonder: Was he shocked when he was injured? Remember? Oh, uh, yeah, he, bro- he broke an arm, or broke an ankle, right? or something when he was uh, jumping onto that building or something. And uh, I wonder if that shocked him. It's like, hey, I'm OT8. This shouldn't happen to me, right? Uh, good question. But remember, now that becomes a marketing tool. You know, you'll see quotes. Honest to God, if you look up uh, Cruz you know, talking about how dangerous this was and that was, he'll say, "I look, I got broken bones. You know, it's another line of promotion, uh, much like uh, I do all my own stunts, you know, which is kind of offensive because I never hear him thank the stunt coordinator on any of those movies. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's call a spade a shovel, right? I mean, he's out there doing great stunt work. There's no doubt about it for a 61-year-old, but at the same time, uh, there's a thing called completion bonds, uh, movie insurance. You know, I I mean, I know he's powerful enough to be a shot caller on his own movies, but at the end of the day, there's a qualified professional assessing the risk involved because there are people crunching numbers back at the studio uh, assessing that risk. So, yeah. You know, it's uh, there's a bit of smoke and mirrors in in how this whole thing is being marketed. Um, But, you know, once again, that's coming from a guy who is not a fan of of Cruz as an actor, per se. I mean, I've always argued, you know, and, and a lot of people don't agree with me on this. They'll say, oh, he was great and born on the 4th of July or whatever. But. Uh, you know, a good looking guy on camera can mock up tears. I think you and I have had this discussion again. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you this. I was going to bring it up with you again, because when you raised that question last time, and I heard from people that thought that this was a very interesting point you made. And that is, you know, that Scientologists have this, you know, they talk about this reactive mind and getting react, getting rid of the reactive mind and going clear and I think you raised the question, how does a Scientologist actor, if acting's all about reaction, right. 
how do you act without a reactive mind? You could explain it better than I explained that. Explain well, I just mean. think in on the, you know, if you're following the, whether it's the Milton Caselis, Beverly Hills Playhouse thing, it's, uh, it, it's basically mocking up your own reality, you know? And, uh, you know, that means if the scene calls for you to cry, uh, you may not have an emotion attached, but, you know, from the school of Alfred Hitchcock, who North by Northwest, I've got to plug that 1959 spy thriller again. But if you talk to someone like the, the ghost of Alfred Hitchcock, he'd tell you these actors, they're fucking cattle. You know, there's another guy. Uh, it would be, um, oh, God, he's a French director. Bresson would say he'd go beyond Hitchcock and he'd say, look, they're just working models in front of a camera. So who would be better suited than a working model such as Tom Cruise, who, you know, in to his credit has managed to defy his own age and still exist as, you know, the quintessential movie star. Now the acid test to whether or not Tom Cruise can act is put him on a fucking stage and watch him fall apart. Because whereas the camera never blinks, to use a cliche, the audience never blinks in live theater. That's why if you're hoking it or mugging it or mocking up some reality and you're not projecting that from a, uh, a uh, uh, what would you call it, a um, an emotional center per se, then you're not acting and, and you can't pull that over on a sophisticated audience. That's why you don't see Scientology actors on stage. Rarely, if ever. And it's because they can't fucking act. You know, that's that's really it. And, uh, you know, I'll argue that all day. Uh, because Tom Cruise, uh, you know, uh, if, if acting calls for emotion and depth of emotion not to project, but to just have your entire being imbued by that. You, uh, Tom Cruise doesn't qualify. Why? Because he's emotionless. Why? Because he's humorless. We see evidence of that. You know, uh, he, he, he doesn't even have a sense of humor of, uh, about himself. You know, I mean, to be offended by his treatment uh, it, it, you know, uh, in the South Park episode, trapped in the closet, he had a cameo in there where he jumped in the closet. You know, I, you know where uh, and Travolta came down and jumped in the closet with him. You know, I mean that was a that was a, a hilarious trope, but you know, the guy's trapped in his own facade, and uh, so you know, once again from the top, I'm in no rush to go out and, you know, get in a crowded movie theater to see a bunch of uh, impressive stunt work. It's now, you know, and I don't know how many people are. Honestly, it's the the uh, reviews are uniformly pretty, uh, the kind of reviews you would want. Now, what's the motivation for everyone kissing this franchise's ass? Well, there's really nothing much else out there. And with the strike, as you brought up earlier, there ain't much in the pipeline so they better get behind the industry that keeps them employed. And now there's the argument that if I talk to crew people and stuff, they'll say, fuck, I don't care what Tom Cruise believes. And, you know, he gives us a lot of jobs, but I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I need this to be fact checked, but I'm not sure he gives that as many U.S. jobs as you think. It seems to me, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me that this franchise work is all done overseas. And, uh, uh, you know, I may be wrong in that, but it's an easy check on IMDb for anyone who wants to well, I, you know, I, jump into that. I understand uh, exactly where you're coming from. It's not my kind of movie either. Neither is Top Gun. But I I guess for me, it, it's it's okay with me if he's a very good actor. And he's done some, he has done some pretty cool things over the years. I don't care if he's a good actor or not. I don't really care that much about, uh, you know, the success. Look, 
you can tell as they're promoting this movie, they know they have something that the people who like these kind of movies, they're going to like it. You know, you can tell by their confidence in the way they're marketing that they know their audience is going to go in and they're going to be happy. That's fine. That's all fine. I don't care about any of that. If I had, if I was actually in the man's presence, I wouldn't ask him about any of that. I just want to know where the fuck is Surrey? What the fuck? This right. beautiful young woman is your daughter and you have completely cut her out of your life. And you know, the thing about it, I try to explain to people in Scientology, yes, if they were just a rank and file Scientologist, he would probably be required to disconnect from her because of all the the way the bad publicity they got. But he's not rank and file. He's a celebrity. He can violate those rules. He can see Surrey anytime he wants. So why doesn't he? Because he personally has chosen Scientology over his own beautiful daughter. And it's just insane to me that he never has to answer a question about that. Isn't that crazy? But like you said, he makes it impossible, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, I I will say this, that, you know, I I, I really hope that uh, Suri Cruz, you know, her mom is the best mom ever and is overcompensating for him not being in her life. We can only hope that. By the way, anecdote, The Way of the Gun, Chris McQuarrie. That film uh, that, you know, was his follow up uh, to Usual Suspects. Uh, he'd done some writing with Brian Singer on some, you know, uh, some big movies. But his his signature piece, The Way of the Gun, starring Benicio Del Toro uh, and Ryan Philippe and, you know, just a, Nikki Cat and a bunch of other talent. Uh, I have a cameo in that movie in the very beginning. I play Mr. Hubbard and I am a sperm donor and it clear as day. Uh, these guys are at the sperm bank and here I come walking out of uh, a little curtained off room and the guy who's the doctor who's collecting my sperm sample, I put it down on the table and he says, thank you, Mr. Hubbard. There was an inside Scientology joke that will haunt him for the rest of his life at the very beginning of the way of the gun for sound bites only. I only wish you'd pull the clip mm -hmm. now also to note that Chris <laughs> as crazy as he was, there wasn't one, but there was two lifelong Scientologists starring in that movie, uh, Juliette Lewis and her father, Jeffrey, um, you know, so, I mean, it was a hat trick of just um, cluster fuckery, you know, but that was something we had fun with, you know, just, and it made the cut. What would you say qualifies you as a donor? Um, I would say I am a fairly intelligent, uh, good-looking man, physically fit, stable. Thank you, Mr. Herbert. You know, so it makes me wonder, I mean, wouldn't that have made uh, Chris McCory suppressive, something like that? Uh, no, because, uh, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I think that the movie, as good as I thought it was, wasn't popular enough to really have people put those things together. Does that make sense? Sure. Does it, you know, but when you, but to know that, uh, I, there is a perverse pleasure in me taken from the fact that I play a sperm donor. And what year was that? Uh, it, it was, uh, I would say 2000 something, the way of the gun, Benicio del Toro, right? Uh, no, Ryan Phillips, Julian Lewis, Jeffrey yes. Lewis, yeah, Cat, uh, and I got another problem, another small quick bone to pick on Mission Impossible, whichever one this is right now. Isai Morales. Isai Morales is playing the uh, the heavier, the bad guy. Uh, I can't speak to his performance on that. I just have a little problem. And I, I pro <laughs> it's like, I mean, he starred, anecdotally, he starred in a movie that was based on a book I co-wrote with a woman named Jane Garcia Valseca. It was called We Have Your Husband. It was a Lifetime movie. And he played her husband, a kidnapping victim. And uh, he did a formidable 
job for a TV movie of the week type thing. And I got a nice bonus check out of it. So I shouldn't have these sour grapes. But Isai came out as an anti-vaxxer. And I just I've just had it with these people because, you That's know, right. I mean, there's not much celebrities are disallowed from telling me, but I don't want to hear who they think I should vote for, who I should be praying to, uh, or I don't want to take fucking medical advice from Isai Morales, some kooky anti-vaxxer. Uh, that's the only other bone I have to pick in uh, this conversation. I don't um, think uh, I don't think Cruz has said anything one way or the other about that, and that uh, the Church of Scientology's official line is a little murky on that. But there's no question that most of the Scientologists that I keep tabs on in social media stuff are all anti-vaxxers. It's very popular in Scientology to be anti-mask, anti-vaccine, uh, you know, and they, they're all- Anti-government and uh, I'm sure there's a virulent strain of MAGA uh, throughout Scientology. I, I know it exists in the, uh, uh, the, the apostate community. Yeah. So, and quite often you see that weird overlap and you're like, Jesus Christ, you got out of one cult and you jumped into another. What's going on? Well, people, uh, I think, make the assumption yeah. that because it's California and Florida, that it's probably this left wing thing. But no, Hubbard was a, a right wing reactionary from, you know, classic red baiter. And and uh, Scientology's always been more right leaning. Now, you will find some liberal Scientologists. It's true. But uh, for mostly Scientologists tend to lead right, and and they're the Alex Jones type. They're the conspiracy type, that kind of thing. I mean, I see it all the time in their social mm -hmm. media feeds. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Hubbard himself told the apartheid South African government that Scientology was a rightist organization. So that shows yeah. you where he was. Yeah, and you know it. it it's you know once it, once again, you know it's sort of like just based on instinct when you run into a Scientologist, especially one with lanyards and the, you know, the full dress, that fucking smirk on their face, you know, that just, you know, like, I know it all. We know everything. We don't want, you know, this whole, like that, you know, that to me is, you know, uh, is what I find in people that can't listen to re reason, logic, facts, or science. And I've just had it. But uh, you know what, Tony? I'm determined to have a good time in spite of these motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm just not going to let them get me down. You know, not Robert F. Kennedy. His own family fucking hates him, you know? And yet, at the same time, he's fixing to be a big spoiler in what's to come. Yeah. Well, and let's talk the connection there because, uh, you know, Scientology, uh, one of their first, I don't know one of their first, but one of the early ideal orgs was Inglewood. And they not only opened that up, but they opened up a community center there. And this was Miscavige's idea about reaching out to the black community. And then what they have done there is they've really preyed on the some of these uh fears about vaccines and stuff that tend to be and you know you can understand it more because of oh, the history sure. the history right but there was actually a of anti-vaccine summit there years before the pandemic this had nothing wow. to do with covid-19 wow with uh Tony Muhammad from the Nation of Islam yep Alfredi Johnson from the Church of Scientology and Robert F Kennedy Jr at the Scientology Community Center in Inglewood. You I I it's rarely you'd see that you know that many conspiracy freaks and and geeks in one room and that does ah, wow I did That was know years that. ago. That was years uh, ago. And like uh, I said way before the pandemic. Yeah. Well, you know my line when it comes to uh when they when when Scientology tries to recruit the brothers and the sisters in our world. I just tell them, you know, I tell them what, what uh, a brother told me outside big blue one day when I was walking around doing research as it were undercover for, do you want to buy a bridge? The spy magazine uh, story, which pretty much 
made my career and, you know, made me a, a you know, PTS type three ultimate uh, suppressive godhead or whatever. But uh, I'm giving myself too much credit. But I asked this black guy, I go, you know, I, hey, I've been going in and out of here all day. Uh, and, you know, these people are all pasty white around big blue. And he goes, well, you kidding me? He goes, brothers can spot a shell game a mile away. And, you know, that was it. That's what it boils down to. You know, the Ponzi of Scientology, you know, and yet it only made sense that they would form that unholy alliance with the nation of Islam because they're all fucking scammers, you know? So where the gun, I looked it up. Two, the year was 2000. And the point I was going to make yep. about that is that's a wonderful joke you guys pulled, but that's what you had to do in the year 2000 because you had to be real subtle about it. That's no longer the case. Now people are always sending me, oh, Tony, did you hear the Scientology joke in this show last night? The Scientology joke, it's so out in the open that Scientology is now fair game, ironically, for all of these shows. And uh, it's the floodgates have opened. But back then, <laughs> what you guys pulled off was pretty sneaky. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I mean, neither of us saw what was coming. We were just kind of rolling with it and reveling in the uh, hilarity of it all. Um, that's for sure. Uh, so did you see the clip? Yeah, I've got it. I'm going to drop it in for when you're back when you're talking about it. I'm talking about it. Are we talking? Yeah, no, but I mean, when you first brought it up, well, somewhere in here, I will drop oh, it in. Oh, you'll drop it in. Awesome. Yes, yes. Got, got it. Hey, listen, Paul Schrader, one of my favorite uh, uh, social media curmudgeons. Uh, and, you know, if, if people are listening, don't know who I'm talking about, Paul Schrader, taxi driver. I mean, need I say more? Right. He just posted something very interesting. He, he, he posted... If I read the latest SAG announcement correctly, if Tom Cruise attended a charity event and was handed a photo of Ethan Hunt and signed it, that would be the equivalent of crossing a picket line. Now, that's really interesting because there are some hard and fast sort of rules about promoting movies now. And, uh, you know, leave it to Paul to bring that up. But that is a really good question. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, he's he's definitely doing a dog and pony show on this thing. Well, uh, whereas the Oppenheimer people, it's like they're all stepping back and they got a, a movie going up against Barbie you know, in the coming days and weeks. So, uh, you know, so much for solidarity. I mean, I can tell you this, uh, there's no question as to whether or not Tom Cruise is a member of Screen Actors Guild, and the same holds true for Chris McQuarrie, Quarry, uh, well, DGA, but that's irrelevant, but certainly Writers Guild of America. Um, Real interesting how they're skating through all this at, at a promotional level for this movie. Well, but then on the other hand, they made a $300 million movie. So uh, it's a long road back from that. Well, I would just, I don't know how it works, but I just know that last year, uh, Top Gun was nominated for Best Picture. And Tom Cruise was a producer on the film. And so... If Tom, if Top Gun had won Best Picture, Tom Cruise would go would be going up to pick up a statue. And yeah. I asked uh, at the time, I asked Luke, "Could you handicap that for me? What are the chances we're going to have to watch Tom Cruise walk away with an Oscar that night?" And he said the chances were very low, and he was right. Yeah. But but I wonder if on I don't know the structure on Mission Impossible is he a producer? So. If in the you know the SAG strike started last night, right? So if this weekend he's going on red carpet things, is he going as an actor or is he going as a producer? I don't know how that works. Right, and you know the uh, uh, Luke Thompson dubbed uh, Cruise Whisperer, you know, is uh, right alongside him all the way back to their you know side by side condos in Clearwater. 
for God's sakes. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're not going to hold back and they're just going to say, you know, uh, you know, I doubt that. I, I mean, I'm sure that if it's, you know, if it's brought up at a press conference, conference, they're going to, you know, make some fame, you know, some attempt to kind of project solidarity but give me a break. You know, they're the, the rules don't apply to them at those nosebleed tentpole levels. And uh, would you like to hear the true story of Chris McCory's bachelor party? Oh my goodness. Well, the reason why I want to tell you this is because uh, he already, uh, Chris put a version of it out. Okay. Uh Pollock, Kevin Pollock, he uh comedian and one of the co-stars of Usual Suspects, wrote a book, kind of a memoir sort of book. And he went out to people for anecdotes about their experience with him, him and I get it. Well, McCory weighed in, but he deflected the whole truth. I mean, the whole scenario off himself. You know, it was somebody's bachelor party. I'm going to set the record straight. And sorry, not sorry, Kevin Pollack and Chris McCord, because I organized the bachelor party. I was there. And you're going to hear the true anecdote right now. Uh, Chris uh, is Chris's Chris, I believe, told his wife, uh, his wife to be his fiance that we were going to all going to go go-karting or something like that just to keep her, you know, um, because, you know, she was like, Oh no sex parties. Oh my God. Ebner's organizing this. We're fucked. You know? And it was, it was all fun and games. Right. Uh, and what we did is I hired a limousine where everyone in the bachelor party, we all jumped in the limousine. And before that I had hired a porn star by the name of Selena Del Rey. Uh, look her up. Great body, great body of work. Uh, she, she was going to be at the corner of Sunset and the hotel, the Riot Hyatt on Sunset, where I had rented the, uh, the presidential suite for the party. She was going to be standing out there posing as a, uh, as a hooker on the street. And the limo driver already had the, got the word that he was going to pick her up. Now, she jumps in the car. Every, we're all going nuts. She's climbing all over us mm -hmm. trying to get to the, uh, you know, the bachelor boy, right? And to his credit, this is important, Chris was like, you know, hands off. You know, he was getting married. He would enjoy the view, but he wasn't going to physically get into any of this shit. And I applaud him for that. However, we make our way to the uh, presidential suite at the Riot Hyatt. Things are getting out of hand fast. Booze is flowing. Uh, Selena Del Rey, she pulls out all, all stops, you know, in terms of, you know, hooking up, taking off all her clothes, running around, dancing, you know, doing everything but have the bachelor toucher uh everyone no i can't say that was true for everything else cut to the chase there's an actor i don't want to be coy but he, he's a good friend and i really like this guy so i'm not going to say his name he's not that important he was one of the core group of friends he's drunk out of his mind on the couch okay and he falls back on the couch and we've seen this before where your head goes back and, you know, you just start fucking passing out a little bit. He was, you know, three sheets to the wind with his head like this. Macquarie says to Selena Del Rey, how much will it cost for you to go take a piss on so-and-so's head? And uh, she doesn't name a price. We're peeling off hundos all night long. She's doing fine. I say, give her a hundred or whatever. He gives her a hundred dollar bill, right? She gets up on the couch and straddles like this, this young actor who's like passed out with his head tilted back and dumps a bladder load of porn star piss right into his open mouth. And everyone's just like, oh, God. And then at the same time, we're thinking, does anyone have a camera? Have we memorialized this? 
And then that's when Kevin Pollack walked in. And he literally walked in as she was dumping her bladder into the mouth of this poor, unsuspecting actor. And I can't do him justice, but Kevin did one of these. Well, there's someone who's not running for public office anytime soon. And we just all hit the fucking floor. And that's the true story. That's the true anecdote. And, you know, um, I need to be a guardian of truth in these situations. You know, uh, Mark, it's just, I know how dedicated you are to the the truth. <laughs> Getting to the truth. Oh, man. I'm such a fucking stoner. You know what I did the other day? I was doing one of these crime shows. And uh, unrelated, by the way. And, I, you know, three hours in the chair, I'm like at the end of my rope. And they asked me a question like, so what do you think it was that drove this man to commit this heinous, brutal murder? And I go, I don't know, but maybe he was friends with the fancy persuasion. Now, do you know what I was saying there? The little Easter egg I was throwing in? It's a song by Ace. It was called How Long in the 70s, 80s. You know, how long has this been going on? And then you're friends with the fancy persuasion. And for some reason, I, I had that, that lyric in my head. Yes, yes. So I threw it in as my Easter egg. I and, and nobody blinked. So they just kept running tape. So maybe that'll actually make the show. Um, I can't divulge the network, but... Uh, speaking of shows and speaking of the uh, the pool boy, yes, Giancarlo Granda, myself, and Tom Arnold are almost set to do a road show called the Holy Shit Show. You know, S H uh, asterisk T, the Holy Shit Show. God forbid, blah blah blah. And we're gonna go on the road as uh, starting in Louisville. In mid-August, we're going to do a road show, and it ought to be pretty good only because we are on the cusp. Uh, within two weeks, we are going to see Jerry Falwell Jr.'s entire legacy go right down the shitter because the federal government, Department of Education, is about to come down with unprecedented fines against that institution, that cult, that it became, you know, radicalized evangelicals, Liberty University. They are going to get hit so hard that that I can only say, holy shit, and let's take it on the road. So that's what I'm up to. That's that's just like, that's only like three weeks from now. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if we pull it off in Louisville, you know, perhaps we'll, uh, you know, roll on through the com the country. You know, I, well, uh, I hope you come to New York. Yeah, man. Uh, so do we. So do we. Uh, yeah. So it's a little premature to announce that, but uh, we do have a backer in Louisville, and that's why he wants to start it there. And uh, I would love to do one of those shows in Lynchburg, Virginia, right in the city. Uh, you know, the, of the hometown of uh you know that cuck jerry falwell jr and his sociopathic wife you know it, what better venue you know then we'll hit miami you know i don't know uh but it it this the summer is uh shaping up to be a really good time that's fantastic man and then yeah, tell me about, about you tell me about your podcast too what's been going on podcast, with that that's that's really it's a combination labor of love and me getting serious about podcasting you know, it, it, in my other attempts, it was hit or miss. I'd do a good one, a great one, and then I'd do some shit, you know, because I, I, I'm only, you know, I'm into a cheap mic and, you know, just fucking around out there. Uh, what I did was I got with uh, my old uh, radio producer, a woman named Mickey Ramos. She knows me better than anybody. She produced my old radio show. We're back together again 23 years later, and she learned podcasting. She bought the equipment, and she's producing the fuck out of a... Basically, what it is, is it's a triptych through my career. And 
at the very least, we will have archived the how I got those story stories, but we're doing it in such a way like, you know, I've got um, six degrees of Paris Hilton broken down into six episodes. I've got my year at the tabloids. You know, at National Enquirer and everything, you know, I, I, I did and went through there. That'll be three episodes. So, we're, you know, we're banking these and, you know, the goal is to uh, release them all at once. And who knows, maybe, uh, you know, taking the cue from some of the brighter minds in entertainment right now, perhaps if the stories work and they hold their own, which I believe they do, otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here. Uh, you know, who knows what we can do with that in terms of exploitation. I mean, with deep fake technology now, you could have me at any age walking through the story in living color based on a photograph of me. Right, right. You know, and I'll tell you, a lot of people, I don't want to bust anybody, but some people are not only submitting to artificial intelligence and deep, deep fakery, but they are also, uh, they are also uh, uh, committing themselves to it creatively. And it's a whole new world. It's going to be crazy. And quick plug, uh, as a guardian of my own copyrights and intellectual property, as much as I, I can get excited about artificial intelligence, I also own a piece of a company called Union, which is uh, essentially anti uh artificial intelligence i got with a group out of austin texas i got a very small piece the website is welcome to union.com and uh we have sophisticated software that can detect artificial intelligence and uh it's not a come on the guy who developed this software is the former head of tech security at the new york times and indeed we got the guy who knows how to do it. And, you know, uh, if anybody wants to try it, first one is on us and we'll certify your work, your script, your book, anything you want to send us. We'll run it through the machinery. And uh, if we can certify that it is non-AI and, uh, you know, hopefully that'll take off. But like any business venture, you know, you, you're only as good as your marketing. And right now, uh you know, it's, it's, it's war, (laughs) you know, we're in the middle of a war right now. So I don't know where we'll fit in, but I know we have the, in the words of Scientology, we have the right technology (laughs) at the right time. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Well, you look like you're doing great, man. It's just, it's so fun to talk to you. Likewise. Likewise, let's just never lose our sense of humor. Uh, You know, I'm, you know, with the world, uh, you know, with this country, with so many people, I was thinking the other day, you know, about the cult mentality, the cult of Trump and MAGA and all that, and how it relates to, you know, uh, the cult that we have individually made a good part of our life's work. I thought of Stephen Hassan, uh, cult expert, and I, you know, I thought, my God, you know, there's really only one man who I've sat with before and interviewed at length, you know, on the uh, Philip Gale story in Cambridge, and I, I never met a more kind and sort of, I mean, he's he's the opposite of me. He doesn't get outraged. He sees, uh, understands cult mind control so well that, you know, we're going to need an army of Stephen Hassans out there, you know, to break this fucking spell, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, it's just, I, I think, you know, uh, the MAGA, the QAnon, I think they're all in too deep to, you know, to raise the white flag when all evidence suggests that, yeah, it might be about time. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, what do you think about um, uh, uh, cult exit counseling on a mass scale? How do you get Stephen Hassan's message across? 
That's a or good question. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's evolved over the years, and I know uh, one of the things that I hear from from Hassan and also Rick Ross is, you know, it's not easy to <sighs> to get a, a, a somebody stuck in one of those groups to get out. And I I I, I've, I I'm always curious when I'm talking to ex Scientologists, asking them what was it for you, what what got you. I, I know that I think both uh both Hassan and, and Ross talk about if you can get them thinking about ways in which they agree that the leader was wrong about something, just anything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. really was Hubbard right about everything? And it's hard. It's hard to get them to think of any example. And I, you know, I know Steve has written a book about the cult of Trump, and he's probably, I think he probably feels the same way about that too. Is can you think of ways, especially with QAnon? I mean, QAnon is so fascinating to me because everything they predicted has been wrong. <laughs> and yet these people are still so dedicated to it. I don't, I don't, you know, every single prediction turns out not to be true. But it's like, uh, that that conspiracy mind thinking is so fluid and you can always well if that's not true it's because this other thing is making us think it's not true you know what i mean there's always a way to 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 to, to see it in a way that it just reinforces what you believe to begin with it's right. mad, and it's, also also you know in terms of playbooks I guarantee you that, you know, when you get into the you're a pedophile, no, you're a pedophile, you know, the cult of Hollywood pedophilia. And believe me, I have, you know, I have legit uh, grudges and work that I've accomplished taken down real pedophiles to the point where I believe that, you know, if you pull back the layers of those QAnon people, that's where you're going to find a lot of pedophiles throwing up a smoke screen for their own behavior. You know, uh, it's, I, I guarantee it because that movement, remember, uh, who, who, th- there's a certain sector of society that fucking is all in for Trump. And those are the criminals themselves. Those are the racketeers, the con men, the, the, uh, the convicts who can't get hired out of prison, you know, uh, they are um they thrive in trump style chaos and uh you know that's why it's so dangerous that's why there's a body count you know that that's uh you know so it's it's really disturbing and i know it's a it's a broader and bigger issue than what what we've been talking about but but um, there's a lot of connections i mean i i there's some really interesting connections between scientology and qanon which I've tried to keep an eye on, and yeah, uh, it's it's the same in both of them. It's the same kind of thinking, though. That uh, I think a lot of it has to do with people wanting to be part of a larger narrative. In other words, people are frustrated in some way with their lives. They don't want to accept kind of what their situation is and who they are. Now, you and I. Or the kind of people like like well, we just change it, you know. We do what we can to make things better, or whatever, you know. We fight and claw away. But for other people, yeah, but that- that's more true with you than it is with me. Because honestly, I have to admit, all these years, as you know, as loud and antagonistic as I am, honestly, I've been going about it the wrong way. Because you know, truth be told, if I had half the compassion that you or Stephen Hassan, or, you know, I mean, I should have taken the cue way back when, when Tori Chrisman got onto the internet and was shown nothing but love. You know, at the end of the day, that's what worked with her. Yeah. You know, and I, and yet, I, you know, I'm just too much of a fucking animal with a grudge, you know, to let these cults get away with their shit on my watch and in the meantime i disregard the victims and you know so it's been a long long learning spell but i'm finally at a place where i can admit that yeah i'm good for a fucking soundbite but at the end of the day am i really helping the cause of uh you know uh helping to counsel out actual uh no they think i'm crazy and rightfully so they get a you know 
Uh, yeah, but I, that I, guy yelling I mean, in the street corner. You I know? just I just heard today from somebody that was so grateful for some coverage that I did it had nothing to do with counseling people or I mean just they they like the the spotlight we put on these controversies and abuses that 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 there's definitely uh, that's part of the whole thing that needs to be done here that this organization it needs to be investigated. That's all. I'm not an activist. I'm not. I just want to uh, show what this organization does and it's other mm-hmm. people's job to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I hear from people all the time to say how valuable this kind of work is. So yeah, I get that way too. I get frustrated. I get a little angry. Uh, maybe not as much as you, but, uh, but, you know, I think there's, a, I, I think that's definitely, uh, you know, a, an important part of what needs to be done with Scientology and showing people what it is, showing people what it is, what it does to people is, you know, uh, being loud and being a loud mouth about it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm like, you know, I'm not great at the other part where it's like being the counselor and helping people out. You know, I, I, that's that other people do better at that. And, and you pointed out somebody and then I, I can think of some other people as well. They're very patient. They're very helpful. It's hard for you and me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to also. Well, it's difficult. It's hard to make that connection. I mean, I've, I, I, I'm not. I haven't. I'm not. You know, batting zero. I mean, I have helped usher people out of Scientology. You know, uh, the late Charlie Black. His name means nothing to anybody but me and some close friends. Going back to the the circle that originated with Chris McQuarrie. Chris ever listens to this. You know, Charlie Black, he left us too soon. But, you know, um, both of us helped him get out of Scientology. So it is amazing to me that whereas I have no idea if you're a Scientologist or not, uh, but uh, uh, Luke Thompson, Cruise Whisperer, man, you guys are practically sleeping together, for God's sakes. You know, I mean, I wonder what goes on at that apartment. You think there's any grab ass going on there? I don't know. You know, I mean, you if you love if if you love money, those two guys have more money than, you know, uh, than God right now. So they must be like giddy like schoolgirls at a fucking Sadie Hawkins dance over the fact that there's nothing else out there. Spare Indiana Jones and the specter of Barbie to stop them from making billions of dollars off a stupid movie. Well, you know, uh, know. Claire Handley told me something really interesting. I did a podcast with her. I think it was like my second podcast uh, I did last year to start this thing. And she told me one day they were at it base and Miscavige said to her that Tom Cruise gives all of his producer credit money to the church. Now, see, Scientology uh, celebrates big donors, but you rarely ever see an actor on there. The only time you ever see an actor is like Nancy Cartwright and and uh, what's her name? Uh, Judy Norton. But uh, oh, and uh, come on, the the lady of the plaques, Gay uh, Rabisi. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, she had three of those plaques. That's think, right. right. But yeah. I think I think you know, uh, Cruz probably you know the <laughs> other celebrities. You know, don't give me a plaque. Don't give me a trophy. Don't put me in the magazine. Right. Right. But but you know, Claire said Miscavige said right in front of her that that Cruz donates the money he makes as a producer on these films. So, I mean, that's, oh, my God, Top Gun. Think about how much money you made on Top Gun. So, you know. Well, those it, producer fees are, uh, you know, they're they're outrageous to begin with. But if they follow the money, then uh, that's a constant revenue stream to help uh, Scientology stay afloat to the point where they can buy up more real well, estate. Well, they have tons of money. There's just no question. They have billions. And uh, so that's why, even though the membership seems to be, shrinking still uh they they're not going anywhere mark which is kind of which is amazing i know and you you know it's i've uh every year i think you know this could be the end but this but you know it's sort of like uh where did i guess i should have realized this around operation snow white i should have seen the writing on the wall 
you know, because uh, if they could, you know, th they succeeded in getting the U.S. government to fucking buckle. I mean, wow. You know, there's there's not much coming back from that. It's like what I mean, the IRS today, if they tried to come back and fl they'd have to pay a lot of reparations, you know, crazy shit. But uh, you're I, I'm with you. You know, uh, we'll be talking about this, you know, for uh, until God knows when. Well, it's always fun to talk to you about this stuff. It was. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, call, so, I, uh, I, I, I called you because I wanted to talk about Tom Cruise's movie, and we ended up focusing on his buddy more, and that was great. It's amazing. Yeah, you know why? Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I do hope you uh, find a good spot to drop that clip from the way of the gun I in will. there. I will. And, you know, uh, I I feel good about our chat mainly because uh, we didn't, you know, we've, we found some new stuff to talk about. And that's always that that makes for the best podcast, Tony. Thank so you keep so it much. up. All, All right. right. Shoot me a link and I'll do my thing with it. Although I'm shadow banned on Twitter, so I can't guarantee any action there, you know, but oh, well. We'll do our best. All right, All right man. man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate later, it. Later, Tony. Bye. Talk to you later.